The Cottonwood Project presents Becoming the Plagiarist, written and read by B.T. Higgins. 13. Mrs. Rivera gave another plug for the tournament in Bible class. It's not too late to get in on the fun, today after school. I heard the jackpot is huge, right, Mike? She pointed at him. It's huge, Mike confirmed. He forgot the exact number, but last-minute entries were pouring in. We've got the final rules posted, and there will be food. Oh, there'll be more than just food, Mrs. Rivera boasted. Some of the teachers have planned demonstration pavilions and stages for performances for those that get eliminated from tournament play. Parents and families are all welcome, so start inviting people. And Tony is coming, Mike added. A chime sounded on two tablets in the room, a second apart. Mrs. Rivera looked down and then looked at Zayden. Mike looked at the back of his head. Zayden, they need you in the office. Zayden did not reply immediately, as he read the message that had come through on his computer. He glanced around the room in confusion and then stood up. Mike watched him, trying very hard to keep his face passive. It was difficult but his very survival depended on Zayden never knowing what he knew or what he had done. Mike blinked once, just so it didn't look like he was staring. What do they want? asked Ricardo. Don't know, Zayden said. I'll be back in a minute. Suddenly, two more chimes came through. Mrs. Rivera looked at her tablet. Ricardo almost recoiled from his. Ah, Ricardo, you may go as well. Be sure to check for the work you'll miss. Ricardo gathered his stuff and stood up, too. Zayden turned toward the door and made eye contact with Mike. Time froze. He knows, Mike thought immediately. Panic rose inside him, but he refused to let it show on his face. Zayden stared at Mike for a moment too long. His eyes bored into him. He knows, somehow. Mike made himself blink. Zayden allowed his gaze to fall on Mike's leg. His face flushed red for a second and then blanched pale in the next. The moment passed. Zayden turned and walked toward the door. Mike realized he had held his breath. How did he figure it out? Mike didn't know. The sounds of chains rattled in his mind. Where did I mess up? Zayden and Ricardo did not show up for American history with Mr. Novak. The Battle of Yorktown, Mr. Novak exclaimed, with never-waning enthusiasm. Mike racked his brain to figure out how Zayden could have known that he'd sent the emails. Unless he somehow cracked the masking software, it was unlikely. Did he put it together some other way? Maybe he knew what the listening pins were for. Did someone tell him? Zayden had a lot of friends. One of them could have heard. Mike tried not to fret about it, but the organization loomed over his thoughts like the sword of Damocles. When Cornwallis surrendered and the last battle of the Revolutionary War finished, Mike suddenly thought, if he knew about the listening pins, he would never have threatened all those kids wearing them. Mike described Washington and Rochambeau striking the final blow to the British at Yorktown for his recall video. The official peace treaty called the Treaty of Paris wasn't signed until two years later, in 1783. Mike reported to Mr. King for weightlifting. Mike Wilson, I talked to your dad about your injuries. 
your excuse from workouts until your foot is more stable, maybe after you get the cast. I have a plan to build your core and upper body strength while your leg is mending. Looking forward to it, Mike said. Mr. King looked at him for a moment to see if he was joking or serious. I'm serious, Mike said. To his surprise, he was serious. As painful as workouts could be, it did produce results. Something made Mike think he might need core and upper body strength in the future. Mike drove his electric wheelchair out to the football field that lay between the two halves of Building 4. The running track encircled it. Mike studied the space and planned out the layout. He ordered tables and chairs, printed signs to direct players to their opponents. Gran, can you work out the brackets? I would like the first opponents to be at similar grade levels. Sure, Gran said. Here you go. Mike studied the bracket. Seems good. Are people registering still? Mike asked. Many people have registered in the last hour, Gran replied. Please adjust the brackets to include all newcomers. Cut off all new entries one hour before the tournament, Mike instructed. Mike drew out a sketch of the event and sent it to Mr. Gray, the groundskeeper. Is everything ready? said a familiar voice behind him. Mike looked over his shoulder and saw Henry Jacks. Hello, Mr. Jacks. Um, I'm just putting together the final details now. It's going to be great. Henry stood beside Mike. Tell me, what are your plans for the tournament? Henry Jacks said. Mike, who felt a strange kinship with Henry for obvious reasons, began summarizing flowcharts, layouts, and timelines. Henry nodded. Mike pointed to the different areas. When he finished, Henry Jacks asked a few questions, which Mike answered as if they'd been planning events like this together for years. Mike added a few items to his to-do list. Henry asked, I'm impressed. You have obviously organized events before? Mike paused. Not really. Well, maybe a birthday party once. Really? Henry said with a curious smile. Because you're seeing all the angles, it's just like I would have set it up. You've done big events? Mike asked. Then he laughed. Of course you have. I forgot you were Henry Jacks. Mike laughed again. I've noticed that about you, Henry said. Frankly, it's refreshing. Mike nodded, but Henry Jacks lingered for a moment longer. Finally, he said, I've got a class and then I need to set up my pavilion. Sounds good, Mr. Jacks. Mike looked at him. Did Henry Jacks look nervous? Are you okay? Fine, fine, Henry said. Two more things. Are you still feeling up to talking with the patent lawyer? With what happened, I would understand if you're not. You do seem to be handling yourself well under the circumstances. Mike thought about this. The patent was important for Tony's game. I can talk to him. Great. Henry Jacks pulled an envelope from his pocket. Here are the documents. I'll tell him to expect your call when you have time. He knows about your foot. I've covered all the costs, so don't worry about that. I think Tony has something here. Thanks, Mr. Jacks. Mike took the envelope. I'll talk it over with Tony. You even sound like an agent, Henry said more to himself. Mike had the thought that maybe Mr. Jacks might be suspicious of how he could do all these things. He would have to think that through later. Still, Henry lingered. Mike studied him. He did look nervous. Why would he be nervous? One more thing, Mike, 
Henry asked. He looked at the ground. More of a personal thing. Do you happen to have Carol's phone number? Mike sat up straighter. Christmas Carol? Why do you want her phone number? I just thought I might invite her to something, Henry Jack said. No big deal. Mike smiled at Henry and thought it over before asking. You do know she has a fiancé. Right, I know. I was just wondering. No big deal, but I thought that maybe the fiancé wasn't going so well. Just a guess. It's no big deal. Henry Jack shuffled his feet. Mike laughed. I could ask her for you, if you would like me to. Would you? Henry looked pleased. I guess I'm working as your agent, too. Mike thought the idea was very funny. But don't get your hopes up. If she's engaged, you know. I know, but it just seemed weird. What kind of guy would make his fiancée exercise his giant untrained dog? It's just not right, Henry said. That's true. Mike hadn't thought about it before. A look of relief shone on Henry's face. Great, so I'll see you at the tournament. He turned and walked away. Mike thought he had a little extra bounce in his step. Grown-ups, Mike shook his head. Sometimes they're just like kids. Gran replied, I have several articles about that topic if you would like to learn more. No thanks, Mike said. Mike discovered that he was still exceptionally bad at painting with Mrs. Cafferty. He thought of the painting she had given him and thanked her. My mama hung it on the wall by the dinner table. She loves it. Wonderful, Mrs. Cafferty said. I think I'm hopeless at painting, Mrs. Cafferty, Mike said. She had a momentary look of agreement, but suppressed it. She said, no one is hopeless. His Japanese 101 class went well. Mike thought it felt very nice to be back. His class had nearly doubled during the week for some reason. Maybe Will and Wei had talked it up. Mike took them through the lesson he'd planned for Monday, and it went well. He tried hard not to think about where he was on Monday. Mike wondered if he might want to be a teacher when he grew up. Tony Reese's Tournament of Coins was due to start in about 30 minutes, 10 minutes after the final bell. Mike left his study nook in Building 3 and rolled by the office. He waved at his dad through the window, but his dad didn't see him. He looked stressed. Sorry about that, Mike said to himself. Mike backed out of the front door, pushing it open with his electric wheelchair. He'd figure out how to do that now. Tony and his parents should be arriving soon. Mike wanted to meet them at the curb. While he waited, Mike checked his notifications. Renako from Zimbabwe sent a note. Gran read it aloud. I am very pleased to see that you have used my family's suggested rule change. We think it will make for smoother gameplay. Thank you for letting us play your game. My whole family loves it. We play every night. Even my father plays with us, and he usually doesn't play games. Sincerely, Renako. Forward that one to Tony, Mike said, and tell Renako thank you. Cars began to stream into the parking lot a little earlier than usual. Instead of lining up on the curb in front of one of the six buildings, many of them parked. They had lawn chairs and baby strollers. Some wore business suits, others wore t-shirts and flip-flops. Mike saw Tony's car at the back of the lot and put Gran away. Mike saw Tony and his parents get out of their car. His parents looked so small next to their son. 
Dina pointed at a banner that announced Welcome to Tony Reese's Tournament of Coins. Mike smiled when he saw her clapping excitedly. Tony stared at it with wide eyes. They weren't wearing cougar football jerseys today, but they had a similar enthusiasm as when Mike had seen them on game day. Mr. Reese saw Mike first. He raised a hand. Mike waved. When they crossed the parking lot to the curb, Mr. Reese asked, Are all these people coming for the tournament? I think so, Mike said. This is big, Tony said. Dina Reese hugged Mike. That banner, wow, how exciting. Tony looked like a giant little kid, nervous and excited, all at once. Come on, let me show you everything. We've pretty much taken over Building 4, Mike said. He heard an angry voice behind him, muttering loudly. All three Reese's looked up in surprise. Tony's face widened in recognition. Mike knew who it was immediately, Mr. Perez. The memory of his smug voice after the soccer game replayed in his head, an embarrassing display. Mike started to turn his head, but something stopped him. I've never been so embarrassed in my entire life, Mr. Perez fumed. He walked quickly past Mike's wheelchair, and Mike saw that Mr. Perez had a firm hold on Zayden's elbow. I'm on the board of directors at this school, Zayden, and you put me in a position where I had to vote to expel my son? Your behavior was so careless. How could you be so stupid? Have I taught you nothing at all in 17 years? Never leave loose ends. How do you expect to be useful to the family? Ricardo trailed several paces back, his chin slumped down to his chest. If you can't even deceive a few do-gooders, Mr. Perez trailed off. Suddenly, their car pulled up in front of them. The two men with suits and sunglasses stepped out and opened the back doors. Mr. Perez shoved Zayden inside and ducked in after him. Ricardo slunk in just before the door closed, as if the driver were aiming to clip his heel in the door. Mike waited for the car to pull away. He smiled at Tony. A flood of relief rushed over him. Mike threw two hands into the air like a referee. Tony mirrored him. Touchdown! Tony shouted. End zone dance! Mike wobbled around in his chair, pumping his fists in the air. Tony jumped around in a circle. Mr. and Mrs. Reese looked very confused. They stepped back to avoid being bumped. When Mike's leg threw up a jolt of pain, Mike stopped. Ouch! Ouch! Oh, that hurts! Mike whooped as loud as he could and then gripped his leg at the knee. I can't believe it worked, Tony said. Me too, Mike said with a grimace as the pain doubled. I can't do that anymore. My foot is killing me. He smiled through the pain, but it was worth it. Oh, victory! He shouted as he threw back his head. His mind flipped through years of worry, stress, and insults from Zayden. All that was over. Mike couldn't believe it had happened. He felt light and giddy. Cypress Christian Academy would now be a Zayden-free zone. Mike thought of Will, Way, and all the other kids. He'd freed them all. That felt good. Do either of you want to explain what that was about? Mr. Reese asked. Mike looked at Mr. Reese. The end of a very long battle. Tony clapped hands with Mike, nearly snapping them off in the process. Watch it, Mike said. I'm running out of good limbs. Tony laughed 
and they started moving toward the tournament grounds. People were streaming over the field and track. Mike saw that all the stages, pavilions, and tables had been set up. Music played through the speaker system. He thought it was a recording, until he saw that a group of music students was playing on a stage just past a tent full of paintings, pottery, and sculptures. Drones flew high overhead, broadcasting video onto a huge screen. That would be the RC Club and Film Production Club. Other drones dropped confetti bombs every few minutes, creating brightly colored snow. Parents meandered from booth to booth, pausing between them to watch performances and demonstrations. Mike could hardly take it all in. Kids were eating hot dogs and popcorn. Some kids even had crazy colored hair and face paint. It's a carnival, Tony exclaimed. I can't believe this. Mike looked up at his face and saw his excitement. That felt good, too. You planned all this? Mrs. Reese asked Mike. It's amazing. Mike started to say that he'd only done the actual tournament organization, but someone interrupted. It was a freshman named Clarence. Mike! Good. I looked everywhere for you. He looked red-faced and relieved. Hi, Mike said. I need you on the main stage in... Clarence checked his watch. Four minutes ago. For what? Mike asked. To get things started. Clarence began leading them through the crowd. He dialed someone on his cell phone. I found him. He's on his way. I am supposed to get things started? Mike asked. Kids parted in front of him as Mike gunned the motor to keep up with Clarence. It's your show, dude, Clarence called over his shoulder. He went back to his conversation on the phone. Prepare the introduction music, notify all bands to hold their music, and route sound to the main stage in two minutes. Mike looked back at Tony. You coming? Should I? Tony asked. Please, Mike said. I need to figure out what to say really fast. As Mike rolled out onto the main stage, all the other sounds dropped off and a cinematic theme swelled through the speakers behind the main stage. Everyone turned and looked at Mike. A voice that clearly was a computer-generated announcer said, Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Cypress Christian Academy. We want to thank you for being part of our school family. This is a celebration of the diverse skills, talents, and crafts of our students and staff. Please, turn your attention to the main stage. Mike Wilson, a junior and language studies student, is the one responsible for bringing Tony's game to Cypress Christian Academy and CCA Online. He has organized this event and would like to welcome you to Tony Reese's Tournament of Coins. Clarence pressed a microphone into his hand as the polite applause died down. Mike looked out at the sea of faces. It reminded him of a nightmare he'd had where this precise thing happened, but he wasn't wearing any pants and his mouth was filled with peanut butter. Mike gulped and forced himself to smile. His injured foot stuck out toward the edge of the stage. If Mike hadn't spent the last ten years doing video recalls after every lesson, he would have panicked. A well-practiced part of his brain imagined a red light blinking on and Grant's voice saying, You may begin now. He raised the microphone. A big event like this can't be pulled off by one person. If you look around, you will see the contributions of many people. The staff and students helped make all this possible, not me. In true CCA fashion, 
they've made Tony Reese's Tournament of Coins into something really special. Would you give a round of applause for all their hard work? Mike paused and collected his thoughts as everyone applauded and congratulated themselves. Mike continued, Tony and I have been best friends forever. We hang out almost every day, eat sandwiches, and help each other when we can. Two weeks ago, I came home from school devastated because someone had cut my favorite walking stick into a bunch of little wooden coins. For those of you who don't know, even when I'm not stuck in a wheelchair, I've got a bad right foot. I collect walking sticks because it helps me get around and because it's fun. This one had been my favorite. Maybe some of you remember me hobbling around with it. Tony took that bag of coins home and invented the game we are playing today overnight. I don't know how he does this kind of stuff. He's just got one of those kinds of minds. The next morning, he showed me the game board he'd made. I loved it. We played it, and I was even more impressed. We decided to share it at school, and boom, two weeks later, here we are, welcoming a thousand people to Tony Reese's Tournament of Coins. Mike glanced at Tony standing beside him. As most of you know, this is Tony Reese. He gestured up toward his friend. Tony, do you want to say anything? Tony leaned down to the microphone. Just wanted to say thanks to everyone. The crowd erupted with applause. Mike waited a minute and said, That's all you've got to say for yourself? No prepared speeches? Tony leaned back to the microphone. I do have one more thing to say. Tony paused. Let the games begin. The school clapped. Mike looked out over the crowd and smiled. Perfect. He handed his microphone to Clarence and put Gran on his lap. Mike tapped several buttons and Gran started sending messages to all the other tablets. Players moved toward their assigned table as they heard their tablets instructing them. The crowd began to reshuffle toward the tables. Parents followed their kids to watch. Play began as soon as opponents were seated. Every tablet was a board game. Mike looked at Tony. That went well, don't you think? Awesome, Tony said. A chime sounded from Grand's speaker. What is it? Mike asked. You and Tony need to report to your starting tables. Your opponents are waiting, Grand said. Oh, that's right, Mike said. I signed us up to play. Grand said, Tony is at position 40. Mike, you are assigned to position 16. Mike drove his chair carefully down the ramp at the back of the stage. Tony disappeared in the crowd. The tables were set up all around the running track. He was glad for this. His wheelchair might have had trouble on the grass. Mike approached position 16 and saw the empty place at the table. That would be his spot. He circled around a clump of spectators surrounding position 17 and saw his opponent. Hi, Mike, Sarah said from across the table. Her long red hair was in a French braid, except for a few strands at the bangs which were curled. She looked radiant in the sunlight. Mike gulped as her green eyes sparkled. Hello, Sarah, Mike laughed. I didn't know we were paired in round one. Sarah smiled. Didn't you? She seemed very pleased. Mike felt about the same. I haven't practiced at all, Mike said. Neither have I. Sarah said, and slid her tablet into the middle of the table for them to share. They leaned in and began.
the end. Thanks for listening. You can find B.T. Higgins at bthiggins.com or the email contact bthigginsbooks at outlook.com. 